Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. I want to continue on where Andre left off and lay some foundation. The reason why we're doing Alpha is not just to uh, add uh, bums on seats in this church. We want to see the gospel go forth. The Bible says that we're not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. And the reason why we're here this morning for most of us is because most of us, one way or another, had experienced the gospel. We can sing about the divine exchange and we can talk about you know, the courage that we receive in the place of our fear. It's because we've experienced the gospel. And the reason why we want to tell people about the gospel is so that more people can enjoy amen, the benefits and the blessings that Jesus brought uh, for us because of his sacrifice on the cross. And Andre said to us last, uh, last Sunday that we exist, what? To help people. Come on. We exist to help people. We exist to help people. Let's all say the full statement. We exist to help people know God. Turn to the person next to you and say, You exist to help people know God. Turn to the person on the other side and say, The other side, you exist to help people know God. Let's uh, start with a verse. Uh, a few verses in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Alright, let's read these verses together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Next verse. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's read the last sentence together. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, if there's a church I want to be a part of, I want to be part of this church that we read about on the screen. I want to be part of this church. I want, I want to be part of a church that, that enjoy meeting together as often as possible, that enjoy seeing signs, wonders, and miracles happening every day. Amen. That enjoy teaching from the apostles or from the teachers. That enjoy learning. That enjoy breaking bread together. That enjoy discussing about all that Jesus Christ has done for us together. I want, I want to be part of a church that, that talks about Jesus. And the byproduct of that is God added to the numbers daily. Which means that at least this church grew by 365 people every year. At least. And of course, the numbers uh, were a lot more than that. Now, growth is a byproduct of health. But, the, but the, a healthy church talks to people about all that Jesus Christ has done. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So when Andre said last Sunday, how many of us received Jesus in this church? Raise your hands. And only three hands went up. I tell you, my head went down. Because I, I think uh, we have not, not emphasized the need for us to become ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now, there's no condemnation. I don't go home and beat myself on the back and say, wow, terrible, Daniel, you're such a bad leader. There's no evangelism. You are you know, just good for nothing. No, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but there was conviction. And that tells me that we have to do something different moving forward. We need to have a vision for people to know God. I mean, a vision for people to know God. So I look back uh, over the last seven years and I discovered that we, we baptized at least 20 people in this church. Not too bad. We see souls getting saved in the last seven years. So praise God for that. But I believe that there can be so much more. Somebody say amen. amen. 
there can be a lot more. And, and as I was just worshipping with you just now, I felt the Holy Spirit impress on me a few verses, which is not in my notes. And I want to release that first over this church, but also over your personal life. Because I believe God's Word cuts both ways, corporately but also individually. So I felt the Holy Spirit said uh, to me from Isaiah 54. Verses 1 to 5, alright? So let's read together Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 5. And says right here, Sing, O barren! Sounds like us. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tents. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to, to, to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities in, inhabited. Do, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your, for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. I mean, I believe that those of us who have been barren, and if this church has been barren, now of course we've seen people come from different churches, which you know I think is good, but also there are some challenges. We are trying to coexist together with our different uh, experiences from the past. But as we move forward together as one, I believe God wants us to give birth. I, I be believe God wants us to bear children. I believe we are to have newborns Run, running around this church, newborn babes. I believe our, our new believers class would be full of people. I believe that in the next baptism, we'll have at least 20 to 30 souls uh, de deciding to receive Christ in their life. I believe all that because I believe the, the Lord is say, saying to us that if we've been barren, we can expect childbirth. We can expect to give birth. Amen. And likewise in your personal life. Some of us have been barren in our spiritual life. Expect yourself to see growth in the coming season. Some of us have been barren in our career. Come on, church. We can claim this one and say, barren no more. Some of us have been barren uh, in our family life. Take this one and say, God, I apply it to my own family life and we will see prosperity and progress. Amen? So let's pray through this verse to together and say, God, we want to be barren no more. We, we, we pray that all of us would start giving birth to new souls in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I was preparing for this message, I uh, asked myself, so what are the reasons why churches today really aren't evangelistic as they once were? Do we ask ourselves this question? Like, you know, I asked myself, uh, when I was growing up, souls were getting saved, I, I'll give a call at the youth ministry and every Sunday there'll be at least four or five people coming uh, to, to the front. I think there are still churches that are seeing amazing uh, salvation. Now, it's not just adding to that numbers because I know a church like Lighthouse, for example, are seeing souls saved every Saturday night and they would then go to different churches. As I, as I said, there's just one kingdom, one church. I pray that this congregation would grow, but my heart is to see the heavens populated with souls and to see hell planted. That's my, that's my vision. Church growth is a byproduct. I want to see the heavens full of people that Jesus Christ has redeemed. Amen. So, what are some of the reasons why churches aren't as evangelistic as they once were? And Tom Rayner, who's uh, the CEO of Lifeway Resources, which is, part, which is part of the Southern Baptist in the U.S., did a poll and he uh, came up with 15 reasons, 15 most common reasons why churches aren't as evangelistic today as they once were. Now, it's a list. I'll go really fast and make a few quick comments and then I'll go into the message. All right, but 15 reasons why churches aren't as evangelistic as they once were. Let's go. Reason number one, this is Tom Rayner, no condemnation, because as I read this, uh, 15 reasons I got convicted myself. <laughs> so I'm in your shoes this morning, all right? 15 reasons. Reason number one, Christians have no sense of urgency to reach lost people. There's no sense of urgency. And I believe the reason for that is too many churches have become self-serving cruise ships 
rather than obedient and sacrificial lifeboats. I'm quoting from Reinhard Bonnke. <laughs> a lot of Christians, a lot of churches are like life, uh, not lifeboats, they're cruise ships. They, they look at the program, they look at the facilities rather than lifeboats that are out in the darkness you know, and in the storm saving souls. But Christians have no sense of urgency to, to reach unchurched people. That's one reason. Reason number two, many Christians and church members do not befriend and spend time with unchurched people, lost people. And the reason for that, I believe, is evangelism frequently involves making ourselves and others uncomfortable. And because we, we live in such a harmonious society, we want to just ease in, right? So don't tell people, don't spend time, don't, don't, don't interact too much. The third reason many Christians and church members, listen, are lazy and apathetic, and I'm in the camp. Why? Because evangelism is hard work. Say hard work. And from time to time, different well-meaning people who are evangelistic in their passion would ask me, Daniel, how can we make our church do evangelism more? How can we make our church you know, get on with evangelism? Is there an easy way? What's the easiest way? And the answer is there is no easy way. <laughs> there is no easy way. Because evangelism is work. Amen. Number four, we are more known for what we are against than what we are for. That's one of the reasons why the church isn't as evangelistic today as they once were, because we were known to be what we're against. So every time we speak up in the public, it's all about what we're against. We're against this, we're against that, we're against this, we're against that. And the church lost its appeal, because we're known as, well, I'm against this. And if we are going to effectively share the gospel with, with the world, we need to be free from the bondage of pride and apathy towards people who are often seen as different from us. Amen. And I believe the church must be known for what we're for. And we start to make a big deal of what we're passionate for. We are passionate for marriage. We are passionate for heterosexual marriages. Amen. We are passionate for well-behaved children who are honoring God. Amen. We are passionate for uh, people who are excellent in their work and who are uh, giving their best uh, on the job. We're passionate for all these things rather than on the pulpit, just slamming down different lobbying groups. Come on, church. We, are, we must be known for what we are passionate about. We are passionate for creativity. We are passionate for innovation. We are passionate for... So, sorry, <laughs> my notes just went off. We are passionate for what Jesus is passionate for. Amen? But you know what? This prejudice is nothing new because Jesus dealt with it in Luke 15. All right, When He was dining with the sinners and tax collectors, we've got the Pharisees coming to Jesus and was appalled by the fact that he was contaminated by the sinners. So nothing new. Number five, our churches have an ineffective evangelistic strategy of you come rather than we go. Come and see. We've got all the performance, and so it's all about what the band can do, what the creative arts ministry can do, the play, the drama. Come and see. Not we go. And... I believe evangelism requires intentionality. God in the Bible did not say, share the gospel as you stay where you are, did He? Stay where you are, share the gospel. In fact, the Bible says, go. And when you go, make disciples. You have got to know where you are going. You have to go to our school, go to our workplace, go to our friends, go to our families. So we need to go. The, the Great Commission is all about going, not, not, uh, not about coming. And we are going every day. We're going to work, going to school, going to our gym. We're, we, we, we are going for meetings. We're going to play sports. We're always going. And, and as you go, make disciples of all nations. Amen? Many church members think that evangelism is the role of the pastor and paid staff. Number six. This is all from Tom Arena, by the way, a poll. And so, just let the professionals do it. Andre, Christine, Daniel, the life group leaders. For us, we want to be fed. 
Just feed us. But you guys, win souls, add to the numbers. And on the other hand, most church leaders are not evangelistic. <laughs> so if the pastors, if the staff, if life group leaders aren't reaching out to people, it's unlikely that the church will be evangelistic. So now we've got this challenge. But I want you to know that evangelism is not just the role of the pastor and the paid staff. It's our mandate. It's our commission that the Lord gave to us. Amen. Number seven, church membership today is more about getting my needs met rather than reaching the lost. Yes? We have to understand that evangelism is spiritual warfare. It is event, it's spiritual warfare. In the most carnal sense, life is easier without us being evangelistic. Easier. Coming together, say a few prayers, worship together, be in the same environment, the same club. And it's easy because we speak the same language. We know what hallelujah is. We can quote John 3.16. We're in, we're in the zone. But when you want to go beyond that sphere, it becomes warfare because now we are engaging the enemy in his territory. We're trying to bring people out of darkness into light. And spiritual warfare is tough. So it seems easier for all of us, me included, to go AWOL from the battle than to fight in the, in the, in the trenches. Easy. Yes, do the Christian thing. Go for life group. Pay your tithe. Come and worship. Raise your hands. Take notes as you listen to great sermons. Buy CDs. But evangelism is uncomfortable. Number eight. Church members are in a retreat mode as culture becomes more worldly and unbiblical. And Christians are fearful of being contaminated by the world and so they limit their contact with their worldly friends. But if we are to be salt that preserves and flavors and, 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 and a light that shines in darkness, we have to go out. Because what's the use of salt if it's in the salt shaker, right? What's the use of light if it's under a bushel? So, as the world gets darker, as the culture gets more challenging, the more we must go. I mean, the more we've got to vacate the four walls of this church and see ourselves as Christians on Monday, on Tuesday, and sharing Jesus, being salt and light in the world. Number nine, many church members don't really believe that Christ is the only way of salvation. It's true. If you do a poll, many people don't believe. They don't really believe that people need Jesus. And unless we believe in the, in the lostness of humanity without Christ, we will not be evangelistic. We, we won't share. Unless John 14, 6 becomes a burning passion in our hearts that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father except through Him. We will not take the mandate seriously. Amen. Number 10, our churches are no longer houses of prayer equipped to reach the lost. Number 11, churches have lost their focus on making disciples who will thus be equipped and motivated to, equi uh, to reach and disciple other people. Number 12, Christians do not want to share the truth of the gospel for fear they will offend other people. So pol political correctness is too commonplace even among Christians. But we have to understand that evangelism is countercultural. If you want to be a people pleaser, don't be evangelistic. Culture hates the gospel that says that there is only one way of salvation. We are being too narrow. Why are you so narrow in your thinking? Only Jesus. still remember when I, when I was growing up, become a Christian and talking to my friends, even my own parents, saying only Jesus is the way. They almost slapped me. They said, how dare you say that? My dad just said to me last night, now I, now I know why you can't share the gospel with me because it's in Bible school, right? So that there's a verse that says a prophet is not received well in his own hometown. So it says there's no way you can share the gospel with, with because I didn't receive you as a prophet. That's, I'm just rephrasing what he was saying, which is true. But it's so countercultural. But if you want to be a God pleaser, share the gospel. You may die doing it in some culture, but do it. I mean, you may, it may cost you your job in some, in some environment, but of course do it wisely, but do it. Number 13, most churches have unregenerated members who have not received Christ themselves, and I believe there's none here. All right, but 
In a lot of churches, people are just going because it's religion. They take their uh, seats there, they pay their tithe, they do a, they they do that good deed on Sunday, and off they go. They are not transformed by the gospel. If you're not transformed by the gospel, how can you share the gospel? Number fourteen. Some churches have theological systems that do not encourage evangelism. They believe if God wants to save souls, He would save them. So it's not up to us. And that's faulty theology. 15. Our churches have too many activities. They are too busy to do the things that really matter. So to paraphrase that, too many churches are too busy to do evangelism. And sometimes the devil's most powerful tool is to get us doing good things to the neglect of the best thing. Amen. So it is. So if our church has become so full of activities that we neglect, the mission, then I, then I think we're too busy. But you know what? The good news is we're such a free church. We're so free, right? Live groups, Sunday, that's it. Of course, some of you have got burning hearts, which is great. But let's go beyond that and let's touch a world in need. All right, so as I go into to the main crux of my message, why do I believe in evangelism. There are seven things that I believe about evangelism. All right? Num- number one, a lot of lists, a lot of points, take them down. I was just thinking through, like, um, why do I want to do Alpha? Why does Alpha excite me? Why, why am I excited about this opportunity to tell people about Christ? So I wrote down a few points. Number one, I believe that evangelism is not about winning an argument. It's about preaching and demonstrating the gospel. All right, It's not about going into a debate with our unchurched friends and try to convince them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No, it's, uh, it's just simply presenting and demonstrating the gospel. Now, when I, when I was a brand new believer, I, I was arguing, I was debating with my friends every single day. And I may win the argument, but I lose a friend. And that's not evangelism. That's debating. And that's not God's plan. It's simply presenting the good news and demonstrating the good news. In, in fact, the word evangelism means to bring the good message. And Paul made it very clear when he said, I preach the gospel not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with demonstration of God's power. He says, my only message is quite simple. Christ and Him crucified. It's all about telling people about all that Christ has done for us. So despite being a learned man, all Paul did was he just simply present the gospel and expect people to listen and the Holy Spirit to do His work. Hey, listen, I believe that God is a better evangelist than we are. And all he needs is a witness. I'm sure we've all heard this, but it's, it's sometimes like you know, trying to present, to present a case in a court. And I want to remind you that you are not the lawyer. I want to remind you that you are not there trying to prove a point that Jesus is real. I want to remind all of us that you are the witness. That the Holy Spirit, who's the defender, who's the lawyer, would call you to do the stand. And you just have to stand there and he'll ask you questions and just you simply present your case. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see that's all I have. It's my testimony. It's up to you to believe. I was once wretched. I was once wrecked, but now I'm whole and free and I'm living life purposefully. And that's all we do. Now the, 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 the judge who's the person that we're trying to convince may have 10 things to say, but they cannot refute your story. Amen. It's not about winning an argument. It's demonstrating the gospel. We use words. We use our lifestyle. We must grow to become more and more like Jesus if we want to be effective as evangelists. And I was just thinking about this point, and it's very interesting. It's so interesting. For my son to re- represent me well, I think he has got to look more and more like me. So, he was tell- he was- so he's looking more and more like me, right? So he was telling me a story once. He, he said, Dad, I can't believe how much I look like you. And this is from my own son. Huh? And so I said, tell me more. He says, he walks into the lift one day 
And there's a reflection on the lift, right? And he, and he saw his own reflection and said, Hey, Dad! <laughs> and then he remembers, Oh, no, that's me and that's overseas! When he shared that story, it, you know, it sort of impacted me. And I think that's how it's like you know, with us and God. We, look, we grow in likeness. We, as we mature, we, we become more and more like Him. And so even the angels would mistaken us for, for Jesus, I believe. And even our friends say, hey, you look like Jesus. I say, yeah, really? I, I, and that's the best way for us to demonstrate the gospel. When people look at us, they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Our words, our wisdom, our acts, our kindness, our patience, I believe these are the things that would impress a person's heart about the gospel. And I believe only the gospel can transform a human heart. Not self-help, not counseling, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I believe about, uh, what I believe about evangelism, number, number two, I, I believe that we should trust the Holy Spirit's leading more than our own feeling. He knows the hearts of men better than we do. Some of us think that, ah, that that friend can never be saved. Have we said that to ourselves? Wow, that rascal in my workplace, he's so vulgar, he's so crude, he's always telling dirty stories. He's going to do to that place. He's wasting himself every Friday. Never be safe. Do you know that that's what my friend said about me when I was in secondary too? Daniel is crude, rude, proud. The last person I ever thought would become a Christian. And so when I, came, when I came back to school in July 1991, and I professed to my whole class, I'm now a Christian. They couldn't believe it. They, they thought that i have just become a Christian to chase after girls because, you know. And until they saw me becoming one of those Jesus freaks, that, like, like everyone else, start going around telling people about Jesus, inviting them to church, read my Bible during recess, they said, Jialat Leo. Daniel is now one of those. But no one thought I would become a Christian. No one thought Ming would become a Christian. I'm serious. I saw him. It is true. I, even me, I couldn't believe it when he came to church one day. I said, Ming Wei, how can it be? He was the guy whom I was like really going after in primary school. And he is like loud and full of himself. Think he's the best basketballer in the world. And he's a Christian. We are all guilty of that, don't we, right? We are. We thought we... It's true. But trust the Holy Spirit. In fact, my friend Neil Cole said that, you know, uh, that the worst people of all is, is, the, is the best soil, right? What's the best soil to grow is, is manure, right? So if, if, if something stinks, best soil. <laughs> Sounds like us, bro. <laughs> If our, if, if, you know, if our lives are so, the more opposite we are from, from what the Bible says, the, the, less, the less self-righteous we are. We know we need help. On the inside, we know that we are corrupting. We, we are dying, we are decaying, and we need help. So trust the Holy Spirit more than we trust ourselves. Amen? So as we invite friends for Alpha, don't go for those that are the, that are the most possible. I want to encourage you, go for those that you think will never respond to an invitation and be surprised when they said yes. Pray and say, Holy Spirit, who should I give these cards to? And write down 10 names. You receive 10 cards. And some of these names might not make sense to you. But if you do it, you'll be surprised. You will be surprised. Number three, I believe that the best evangelists comes from those who have experienced the gospel. That the most passionate, the most transformational evangelists are those who have experienced it. Which is why angels who are messengers aren't chosen to be evangelists. They didn't receive the great commission. The great commission was given to us, you and me. Why? Because we have experienced the grace of God. Yes, we have experienced the power of the gospel. I am passionate about the gospel because it changed my life. I was once lost. I was once so far away from God. I, I was once rude to my mom. I was once vulgar. 
I was once purposeless. But because of Jesus, my life's changed. My life's changed. I have a story now. I'm doing things that I could only dream of when I was growing up. What about you? If you have tasted of the goodness of God, you become one of those that will go around and share. It's true. Like, you know, I, just using my parents as an example, they were, they were against my belief for a few years. They accepted it for many, many years. But in the last three years, when they've experienced the power of the gospel, they become exactly like me. <laughs> Going around to, to their friends and family, they just spoke to us last night and said, maybe we can visit the parents of those of us who, uh, or those of our members who want to know more about Jesus. I say, sure, do it. If you have got your parents who want to know more about Christ, talk to my parents. They want to do it. They have become an evangelist. Why? Because they have tasted and they have seen that the Lord is good. Amen. To me, this is more than just religion. To me, this is my life. This is what I do. This is my mandate. I do it, not for a living. I do it because I want to see people experience what I have. Number four, I believe the gospel is the hope of the world. The gospel is the hope of the world. Many people promise hope, but they often mean change. But only Christ can offer real and lasting hope because only Christ can change a person's heart. I believe the gospel is a message the world desperately needs. If, if, if you don't believe that, you will not share the gospel. You will not share it. I believe the gospel is a message the world really, really needs. We can't assume that, that the people are fine. They may look the part, but without the gospel, I believe in, 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 in with my whole heart that that that. That there's a God-shaped vacuum in us, only God can fill. Unless that vacuum is filled, we will not find real meaning and purpose in life. I believe it. So I met Sarah Bowling, uh, the daughter of Marilyn uh, Hickey, when I was in Cambodia recently. If you don't know who Marilyn is, she's like the Reinhardt Bonke, all right? But the female version, she has preached to millions of souls, seen, seen signs, wonders, seen miracles. She's also a great Bible teacher. She has memorized the entire New Testament in different versions. So Sarah, the daughter, is not so good. She has only memorized Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians. She's on Romans right now. So she's not as... Uh, she's not as uh, Amazing as the mother. <laughs> I met Sarah when I was in Cambodia and she was there to speak in a conference, but she's been going back there for the last 15 years. And she started a ministry in Cambodia uh, called Saving Moses, which is basically missions, but reaching out to those five years old and younger. And she told me the story and I was so inspired. I emailed my wife straight away. I told him and Clarissa who felt called to those who are, who are in the sex trade. And, you know, and she was saying, this is what we do. We do night care. Night care. So I said, what's night care? So there's daycare. There's, there's night care. We do night care for uh, the children of the sex workers in Cambodia, in uh, Phnom Penh. So I said, tell me more. And so she said that uh, what they do is that they would go to some of these villages uh, and, they are, and they would create the awareness. You know, and if they want, and, uh, would be, and before the mothers go to work at night, they would leave the, their babies and their kids in the night care with saving Moses. And it's a good way for, uh, for the kids to be, away, uh, to, to be taken away from the environment. But also, it's a great way for them, the, the workers, to connect with the mothers. And in the last year and a half, she was saying that uh, they have spoke that all the mothers who are in the sex trade knew that they are Christians. Four or five of them have come to know Christ, and one of them has left the sex trade. And now uh, learning a trade and, and having a brand new life. Listen, only the gospel can do that. It's the hope of the world. And, the, and it's just one of the many stories. Because I work with all these mission, missionaries, right? So stories coming from India of how a drunkard dad would be safe, gave up a, 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 a drinking, be inspired to find a new job, bring money home, kids now go to school, there's food on the uh, table. A family's changed. 
When families are changed, the whole community is changed. When communities are changed, an entire city is changed. And a nation is changed. And generations are being transformed. But it's all because of the gospel. It's not, it's not just about church growth. Some of us are so jaded you know, by pastors in the pulpit just saying, have numbers, goals. I think this is just a wrong way of doing what's right and you can't do the wrong thing right right? I mean, it's, you must know the why behind the what and why is the gospel important. It's the hope of the world, which is why I want to lay this foundation this morning. This is why we do what we do. Alpha is a tool for all of us to use to connect our friends and our loved ones to the hope of the gospel. Number five, I believe there are opportunities all around us to share the gospel. Jesus spoke in parables. He used everyday examples to illustrate spiritual truths. He spoke to the woman at the well about drinking water from the well. He, uh, Paul used the altar of the unknown God to bring across the gospel. And even when there are obstacles, these obstacles become opportunities. Like Paul, for example, was arrested and because of that he was before King Agrippa, and because of that, he was preaching the gospel to royalties. His calling, the fulfillment of his mandate, was given to him from Jesus himself. He was stand before kings and princes. And who would have thought that it was through the, his, his torture and his arrest that he was presenting the gospel to kings and princes? So even when there are obstacles, even when there are crises, in the crisis, you can share the gospel. Number, number six, I believe not everyone will believe. And that should not discourage us. Isaiah the prophet was an interesting story, was given a calling. He was a willing servant. He has been cleansed. He's a major prophet. He's anointed. And yet the Lord says, I'm sending you to a people that may not listen. You will preach, but they, they won't hear. So not all will believe, but that doesn't stop us from sharing. Amen? And last but not least, I believe, and we must believe this as a church, that salvation takes a moment to receive, but a lifetime to understand. What's my point here? My point is, the Lord will add people to our community who are different from us when they first come. A few of them reminded me this week of a, of a friend of mine called Sky. I think I've told you this story, but let me repeat myself. So we met Sky. A few of us know Sky. Sky uh, at Katong Shopping Center years ago. I was a brand new youth pastor, and Sky uh, was living on the street in those days. He left his mother when the, grand, when the grandfather passed on. So he just left the family, and he, he, he had a locker you know, in Katong uh, Bowl in those days. So he rented a, a locker to keep his stuff. He would take his clothes and he would go to Changi Airport at night to shower. And he would then go back and he would sleep on the street, you know, on the street or you know, by the bench you know, somewhere. And we met Sky when our youth group that was really small was doing evangelism, just going on the street. We were just passing out tracks. We talk to people about Jesus. In fact, that's, that's how Derek came to know the, uh, the Lord. Derek. What, is he here? Derek? Somewhere, right? That's how he came to know Christ. He met us at Parkway uh, Parade and we brought him back. He said, come and join us. For... So we, but we met Sky. And, and, and Sky says, I'm a Satanist. I'll never become a Christian. Never become a Christian. And yet he kept coming for our service. He sat, he, sat, he sat there and he said, I love the peace I feel in the church. And so he kept keep on uh, 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 coming. So he kept coming. He kept coming. He sat there until one day I realized that Sky is not there, you know. He's, he's no longer in church. But of course, when Sky first came, the youth were like, wow, who is this guy? He has a secret smell. He's on drugs. And he will sit there. And the youth would be like, wow, scary. This is Sky. Tattoos on. He swears. He talks loud. But because our youth group was so small, it became an object lesson. So our young people, 60, 70 of them, I think enjoy Sky. 
They love Sky. Of course, I want Sky, you know, be, just don't lead my youth astray. So he knows where I, where I stand. But, you know, my, but the young people all love Sky. So they would hang out. A few of my uh, uh, leaders would buy him food, would talk about. But Sky stopped coming for a while. And until I got a phone call from a friend, and Sky is in prison. So, I, so he got me into the prison. And uh, Mike Lam, some of you might know him, into the prison. And I met Sky, and I led Sky to Christ in the prison. It's the most amazing story. And he said, Daniel, for the first time since I was nine years old, and when my father died, I cried. And he was tearing up. He was, see, the gospel is for, every, is for everyone. But then he left the prison. I was out. Christine was working in the bookstore in Cornerstone then. And she went up to Christine and said, where is Pastor uh, uh, Daniel? So he's out. Call him now. So Christine called and said, tell Pastor uh, uh, Daniel that sky is back. <laughs> It's cool. As I say, I look forward to seeing you. We went, we, we went, we went back. Sky is there. A few months later, he, he went back to prison again. See, salvation is for a moment, but life change takes a long, long time. And some people take a longer time. But what if there are people like Sky in our midst? Can, can we demonstrate tough love? means that we, we know where we stand, we have got clear standards, at the same time, we love. I'm just preparing us, I'm just laying the foundation. Alright? We are into this evangelism, outreach, alpha. I want to say this, whatever we do, we must do it out of a heart of love and compassion. And I, I, I will say this once and for all. I pray all of you would represent me well moving forward. The reason why we're doing Alpha is not because we want just more bumps on seats. No, it's because I believe the gospel is the power of God. I believe that because I've been transformed by the gospel. And I believe God wants us to win souls. But when the souls come in, they're like little babes. That's all the, the moms. Moms! When the kids are like one year old and younger, were they enjoyable? I think they were. Come on, moms. But were they easy? No! They were, you know, just after you change their diaper, they poop. Wow! And you said, Daniel, do you know that this cost me $4 or not? He wouldn't know. He eats, he poops, he cries. Sounds like Mingwe and myself when we first get saved. No one loves us. We complain. No one cares for us. We have a demand, right? Pastor, no, no, not, not caring. This, that. Come on, church. When, if we want to see people experience God as a community, we must be ready to receive them. Amen. I believe the gospel is the power of God. I believe you are the best evangelist and we have a tool. It's only a tool. But when the people come, I pray that all of us would represent Jesus well and love well. Amen. Love well. Amen. So let's pray that we wouldn't be like the church that didn't add people to our numbers. <laughs> 15 reasons. If that's us, I repent. <laughs> but let's take on this mission and say, God, count me in. I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you. Amen. And pray. I think from next Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll be praying uh, for the friends we want to invite. Uh, a few of us met recently, and Constance also has volunteered to start an intercessory ministry. And I know there's some of us that want to pray more. And I said to Cons, I said to, to the team, I believe in the power of prayer, but I'm so limited with my time. And so Con said, I'll do it. So praise God for Constance. And I think uh, we'll give her some names and she'll be calling you guys up to pray before service and to go beyond that, to pray on different dates. But we need to pray. As I said, evangelism is what? Spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't like it when we're, when we're after souls. Trust me. He doesn't like it. But it's worth it. Why do I believe in evangelism? Because I tell you, church, the best moments of my life wasn't when I was on the floor rolling under the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. I love rolling around. Ah, ooh, or giving prof uh, receiving prophetic words. 
or preaching and praying for people and see them touch. Now, these are all wonderful moments. But the best moments of my life, without fail, that bring tears to my eyes, when I was a young leader, was when I give a call. It never gets bored. And I see four or five people raising their hands. And I know that they are first-time guests. And they walk down the aisle and they say, I want to follow Christ. And I, and I just stood there, realizing it's not my preaching. I was terrible. It's the gospel. And it's the Holy Spirit touching lives. And they responded. The ultimate moment of my life was you know, our first evangelistic outreach to young people, the big one. And over 200 people raised their hands and I was there with tears in my eyes. I couldn't believe myself because once and for all, 200 lives are changed. Eternity is made, is birthed in their hearts. Once and for all. And it's hard to explain it. The best moment as a young Christian, I still remember my first soul I'll never forget that. It was my junior. I was sack three. He was sack one. And I was at this bench. He's my junior in the table te- uh, t- uh, tennis team. And I was trying so hard. I was, I was stuttering. I didn't know the Bible well. But all it was, I was saying, come on. You have to believe. And I was just struggling so hard. And finally he says, yes, I believe. I couldn't believe myself. He said, yes. I was 15. He said, yes. And I led him to the Lord. The only prayer I know how to pray stuttering through it but I was hooked do you know what hook was? I was addicted that moment I said the feeling was ecstatic I'm just God this is it so I pray that all of us will experience this the last the last uh, seven years we've been trying to assimilate different uh, people as we move forward we're into our eighth year now church let's see souls coming in let's see our friends who don't know Christ find purpose and meaning amen let's all stand it's really from my heart uh, this morning I want to lay that foundation as the pastor of this church that I believe in evangelism Thank you, Lord. So even be, before we sing again, why don't we just pray and just ask God to put compassion in your hearts, to put the vision in your heart. Some of you have compassion, but we just, we, we just need a vision. Say, so God, re, rekindle in my heart the vision, Lord, to see your kingdom grow, God, to see our friends come to know you, to see our family members come to know you. Lord, it goes beyond just meeting a target. Lord, there is no quota here, Lord. Lord, we will not fall into the trap of just growing ourselves and trying to add numbers to our Lord to our congregation. Lord, we, we are doing what we're doing because we want to love fiercely like you love. Can we, can we just pray, church? You might be a young believer, an older believer. You might be jaded because of previous evangelistic efforts from your church. But I want to impress on your heart this morning. I want to impress on your heart that you know when 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 you rediscover the purpose and the and the reason of why we exist to know God and to make Him known. Everything changed. Some of you have not grown spiritually for a long time. The reason is you have not been giving. You have not been mentoring and sowing your life into another. Because when you start doing that, you grow. So let's, so, so, let's, so let's pray and say, God, just help us rediscover why we do what we do. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Touch our hearts. Change us. Come on, I, I, I want to pray that this is a God thing. It's not by might, Lord. It's not by power. Lord, there is no hype here, God. I'm just trying to play it down. And Lord, to allow your spirit, Lord, to move our hearts. Lord, there is no guilt, God. There is no trying to stir up the emotions. God, we ask that you will supernaturally arrest our hearts, God, to love like you would. 
Give us faces, Lord. Open our eyes, oh God, to see. Open our eyes, oh God, to see. Remind us, God, that we wouldn't be where we are, Lord, if it's not for someone else reaching out to us, God. Someone else give us a story. Lord, use us, God, to give other people their stories. Somewhere else, care enough, went the extra mile, inconvenient themselves, God, to bring us the message of hope and love. Now, Lord, use us to do likewise. Come on, just tell Him. Use us. Use us to do likewise. Lord, our colleagues, our family members, our friends, our adversaries. <laughs> our nemesis <laughs> Lord those who don't like us use us Lord help us to love well to love fiercely and Father we pray for this church can, can we just put our hands on the shoulder of the people next to us just gently and just pray for them and say God you will supernaturally impart love impart love there are all kinds of excuses that we've heard all kinds of, of excuses that well if God wants to do it he will use someone else why not you why not you there are too many churches there are too many Christians I've, I've heard from people there are too many Christians really doesn't the work of the cross deserve everyone believing in all that Christ has done he desires not to perish but all to come to, to, to the knowledge so Father, touch us. Come on, just pray for the people that you, your hands are on this morning. Just ask God to impart compassion. We've got a few more minutes. I'm just believing God for a supernatural act this morning. It's not by persuasive words of wisdom. The power of God unto salvation, the gospel the reason why my life is changed why your life is changed the solution the solution to the heart problem and everything starts from the heart for from the heart comes forth issues of life when the heart is changed the world's changed so father touch our hearts move us with compassion open our eyes god